Come celebrate 40 years of Unix at the Ohio Linux Fest from September 25th through the 27th. If you use GNU, Linux, BSD, OpenSolaris, or any Unix or Unix-like system, you belong at Ohio Linux Fest. Register free today at ohiolinux.org. Radio. I'm Monster B, and at the round table with me tonight is Sheriff Peter J64. Yeah, and just a word of warning, I won't be putting up with anything tonight. I'm not in a good mood. <laughs> Whoa. We got some young kid walking on your back again, or what? No talking over anybody, Art, or you're gone. <laughs> Do you need a deputy tonight, or you got it all under control? Yeah. I think there's that many Klaatu. Okay. I have to deputize Klaatu. Okay, Deputy Klaatu, oh, cool. you're next. Great, thank you. Hello, everyone. J-Man, I think I'm going to need two deputies because I feel like hanging a few tonight. Hello. <laughs> Hazmuth. Hey, howdy, howdy. Mr. and Mrs. Zoke. Hello. I'm almost scared to talk and just in case I get thrown in immediately into, <laughs> into the break. Art V61. Hello, hello. 3.30. Hello. And Lord D. Good evening, everyone. He sounded very professional, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Uncommonly so. Why did he do that on 10 Buck Review, then? Uh, because the last few shows I've decided to enjoy some uh, beverages while recording, so kind of goes out the window quickly. We did get one feedback this week. This is from, I think, Episode 5, because Episode 6 didn't air yet. Uh, they got new management over there at the HPR, so the show won't air until what, Monday? Uh, correct, Monday, the 17th. But this feedback's from Davy Jordan. He wanted to thank us for the uh, for mentioning Tiny Tiny RSS. I think that was Zoke's uh, yeah, topic. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually logged into that thing. That was oh yeah. So so why does Davy jo- oh Davy Jordan's just using it now? I don't think he used it yet since he sent this email. He just said he's going to install it. Yeah. It is. It's pretty nice. I mean, I, I I'm not going to use it, but I was I was impressed. Yeah, I'm having trouble making it update and grab all the latest information of the feeds. Oh, I have really? the same feed in Google Reader and the and Tiny Tiny RSS. And Tiny Tiny RSS said there were like 63 news stories, and Google Reader said 200. And there's uh, uh, a link that you meant to run to force it to update, and you can like cron job it and stuff. Uh-huh. And I run it in the website because the cron job's just like a wget or something so it's just you know load right. this particular page to force it and it just sits and loads and loads and loads and loads and you know i've let it go for like hours and it doesn't ever seem to finish wow, so i'm not sure what's going to yeah, yeah i've got to dig around and see if a, anyone else is having the issue yeah that's its primary function so for it not yeah, to do yeah, that <laughs> it's a bit of a problem yeah but said I'm, I'm gonna see if i can find a, yeah, a way around that on your end or something who knows possibly did anyone else get any feedback? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I might have, but I probably usurped it for my own podcast. Yeah, that's all right. All right. 
All right, I, I found this one today. It's called a Slack Mini Server. This project's been going on for two years, and I just found out about it. It's a, uh, it's a Linux server distro designed to be configured and maintained through a web interface like, uh, like Webman. 2.6.29.6 uh, kernel, and it's based on wow. Slackware 13 yeah. RC2. And you can run it from a live CD, or you can install it to the hard drive. I don't know. I seen this. I was like, "Wow, that looks pretty cool." I'm gonna try it. And and I was looking at the features, and it and it comes with Asterix uh, 1.6.1. 1. Wow. Yeah, and, and Apache 2.2.12. I think that's the latest one. But it looks pretty cool. Well, that is interesting. What's the website on that? Just miniSlack.com or something? Uh, let me throw it in the chat room. Very easy. It was Mini Server Slack or something. Yeah, it's called Slack Mini Server, and the web address is sms.it dash ccs.com Wow, that's kind of cool. And it's been around for like two years, huh? Yeah. Oh, is this distro based on Slack? No, Slackware. Oh, Slackware. Wow, that was weird. And it, and it's, I mean, it's obviously cutting edge. or I mean, it's cutting edge as Slackware ever is. But I mean, that's a really recent, uh, that's the most recent kernel. Now, does that let you save to, uh, if you just run it from a live CD, save your configurations to a USB thumb drive or something similar? Well, I just found this one today, but it, 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 if you go to the download section, it has two downloads, a live CD, which it says you can run everything from the live CD, or there's an installer CD that they recommend. And I guess the installer is taken from Slacks, only the installer. That's pretty cool. But, you know, all that is is uh, a boot inst.h, uh, sh in Slacks. It's just like a little shell script. You're right, and, and in fact, it, it sounds like it can use the .lvm modules that Slack uses. There is some similarity there. But I'm not sure if you download the live CD, if you can install it from that. Um, I'm not sure. So you might have to get the uh, a separate CD to install it. No, it says it in the frequently asked question, yeah. Slack mini server can be yeah. installed from the live CD. Oh, that's good. Or then. a USB disk, yeah. How big is the file? Did anybody look? 300 megabytes for the ISO. Yeah. You should be able to run it off a USB then, right? As yeah, it says that too, I think. And it tells you in the frequently asked questions you can. I think I saw that. Would be pretty neat to do. Yeah, how do I install it to a USB flash disk so you can? All right, that's all I have to say on that one. Uh, you want to go next, Lord D? Um, what I've got today is from a website called createdigitalmusic.com and I'll post the link here in the channel and it's a uh, write up by a guy named Kim Scone or it might be a female it's a guy Okay. and his switch from OSX over to Ubuntu as a person who's created techno for 10 years and it walks through a lot of what he's done and learned along the way and kind of the thing that I like the most about this whole article, if you scroll down towards the end, it's a nice long list of links, different things, different projects he uses, I would assume, and so on. I, I just like that he's switching from Mac to Linux. That's just not a switch that you hear about as often as as, as one should. Well, especially not for a music, because, you know, all the arty farty stuff, if you make any music, or if you do video, if you do... Uh, you know, the Photoshop stuff, it's all meant to be done on the Mac because, you know, Macs right, are, yeah, are the yeah. arty stuff. 
Right. I mean, where because, I used to work. of course, Linux, you know, Linux audio sucks. Yeah, I mean, where I used to work, they were PCs everywhere. And the only, the one department which had uh, Macs was the, the ones that did um, all the graphic design, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird niche they seem to have found themselves uh, in, which I don't think is deserved at all. Um, and it's just cool to hear, yeah, someone doing creative stuff on Linux and not shirking at it. I assume he probably has quite a, you know, a fair amount of budget to spend on his setup, too. I mean, he probably... That was actually one of his complaints in the article was he got tired of the upgrade costs every yeah. couple of years. Well, that I'm not surprised about. But, I mean, the upgrades, yeah, I mean, that's a lot, a lot of money. Maybe he's probably still spending a lot of money, but just not as much as he would have on a Mac setup, I imagine. One of the things he mentions in the article was that he had set up a Dell uh, netbook as a backup thing, as a backup system, and if I remember how it goes right in the story, his uh, Mac hard drive died on him at a show, so he switched over to having to use the netbook and has kind of just made it a permanent switch now. Hmm. Yeah, that's really neat. I, I saw that link somewhere. I haven't, I haven't read the... Uh, I posted uh, it in the channel it. about a week ago, okay, in the last yeah. week. Probably where I saw it. I definitely yeah, I like the, look at it more carefully. I like the story here. He's talking about how um, one machine was looking a bit older and he was thinking about buying a new one. Um, but in the end... He went and bought a refurbished Dell Studio 15, put Ubuntu on it, set it up for sound production and business administration. The total cost was around $600 for the laptop, plus wow. a donation to the software developer. A far wow. cry from the $3,000 price tag and yeah. weeks of my time it would have cost me to stay locked into Apple. Wow, nice. Yeah. yeah, you just don't hear about that kind of stuff. That's really cool. Of course, the much-publicized um, story in two weeks will be him going back to Mac because they cut him a deal or something. And also they lay, you know, in the story it lays out how he's been working with computers since the 70s and, you know, how he was sitting there. He actually at one, for a, one point wrote in assembly language his own digital sequencer on a Kim one single uh, board microcomputer. Well, that makes sense. Then That's how he was able to make sense of Linux sound systems. <laughs> I've got to read this bit out. He was talking about how uh, details not like not having a tree view on the right-hand panel of the Finder window slowed him down. Ubuntu, on the other hand, feels more like an operating system made for grown-ups. Yeah, I totally agree with him. I cannot, but a lot of people actually do. But, I mean, yeah, that Finder is grossly underpowered. And after I started using, like, KDE or even GNOME, it was just like, wow, what was I missing all this all this time? And he even has down at the bottom a request right before the link section I talked about. That it's important that kernel and audio application developers, one, ensure all audio creation software support for Jack, two, improves the update tools for Jack, make it easy for musicians to install, and install, configure, and use, three, ships distros with real-time kernels already tested and configured for use. goes on with some more there, but... I like the fact that instead of just blasting Linux audio as, you know, this is all screwed up, he's like, look, some things that could help to be ironed out. This is a guy who, doing professional, you know, audio creation and production, so this is a guy who would know, you know, from a user standpoint, things that are going to need fixed. 
Yeah, I mean, that's an important perspective to have. I mean, he's, he knows what he's talking about from both the creative and apparently the technical end of things. So, yeah, he is exactly what people need. I mean, in terms of the developers, I mean, he's the guy who they can turn to one way or another, whether they just read his blog or just interact with him, you know, via bug reports or email. Just, you know, exactly what do you guys need? You know, what's practical here? What's, what's not practical? That's really cool. And who is this guy? What does he do? Tim Cascone. He does electronic music. He, he he worked with David Lynch on a couple of projects, apparently, like Twin Peaks, Wild at Heart, just like sound design or whatever. And I guess he did, what, like techno or whatever, or electronica at some point. He worked with Brian Eno, you know, for ambient stuff. He doesn't do country western, so who cares? He might have done some country western tinged things. Brian Eno has a fairly wide variety of uh, sonic texture. But you never know. And I just posted a link into the IRC to his Wikipedia page. And then I noticed over on the Wikipedia page, the instruments he lists is laptop, Max MSP, C-Sound, synthesizer, field recorder, our door, and hydrophone. Oh, wow. So he's got some Linux-y stuff on his Wikipedia page already. So that is definitely nice to see that, you know, if someone who you know knows who this guy is and wa- is wants to emulate what he's doing, they're going to see the list of stuff he does and see our door, and you know it's a gateway into using the good stuff. Well, let's just hope somebody like him keeps promoting it. More so than promoting it, just working with like developers to get it right up where it needs to be. I think that's the, that's that's the real win here. I think it's just to have someone with his experience, and I guess. I mean, I've seen this story on a couple of different places, so I think people are kind of noticing the story. So, you know, that'll be good, like I say, for developers to talk to him or whatever, people to listen to what he needs or or what he and people doing what he's doing would need on Linux. That's a really, yeah, I mean, really he, cool thing. Yeah, and he can talk about the money he saved. I mean, you know, he's reputable. He's a reputable person. You know what, honestly, I don't even think it's about the money as much as it is about, like, all the different formats. I mean, I don't know that much about the music side of things, but just from video side of things, you got so many different formats of stuff, and, you know, Mac wants you to use their formats, DigiDesign wants you to use their formats, someone else wants you to use their format, and at least with free software, it's it's a lot more, it's either, here, use any format you want, or, you know, here's some formats that you can support on every different platform you could possibly imagine, because we opened it and you can compile it so that it works on whatever you are using. So, I mean, I think that's a big, big part of it. Well, it would be nice to follow and see how, how this works out for him. Yeah, that would be really cool. All right, Lord D, good story. Let's move on to Claw 2. Uh, yes, my story tonight is about the Ohio Linux Fest, but it's not abstract or anything. It's actually, uh, we've got lots of uh, speakers well, actually, I think they have all the speakers nailed down now at the Ohio Linux Fest. And one day, uh, Friday, September 25th, there's going to be something called uh, the early the early Penguins track or something like that. And the point is that it's uh, basically a full day of talks that um, are free for everyone. So whether you've paid, you know, your supporter fee so that you can go to the talks on Saturday, or not, or whether you're just going for free. Uh, you can come in on Friday and get a lot of really cool talks um, no matter what, which I think is really great 
for a festival because, you know, I mean, one of the big things about Linux and free software and stuff like that is that it's accessible to everyone, right? So if you have a festival celebrating it, it's cool that they let anyone in, you know, but obviously not everyone gets to go to the talks. You have to pay for that. So it kind of takes a, it kind of knocks out the accessibility, at least in my, in my opinion. But having a whole day of talks that are free and that anyone can get into, whether they've paid money or not, I think that's a big deal and kind of very much in the spirit of, you know, free software and stuff. And uh, this is going to be on Friday. What, what time? Uh, it starts at 1300 with OpenStreetMap people talking about OpenStreetMap. And then some guy named Clatu uh, is going to be talking about editing video in Blender or something like that. And then Ilan from Scale is going to talk. And then at 1700, there's going to be a podcasters, uh, hosts, and listeners unite. And that's going to be a, an hour or 55 minutes of uh, sort of, I guess it'll be sort of a birds of a feather meeting. Or maybe we'll do like a live show or something. But um, so far, people like Monster B from Linux Cranks. 3.30 from Linux Cranks. Um, Aaron Newcomb from The Source, the video one, the video uh, cast. Um, all the guys from Tilt, as far as I know, deviates from a lot of Linux links. At least those, at least we will all be there um, at 1700, and hopefully, you know, people will come meet, talk, maybe, like I say, do a live show or something like that, or whatever, you know. It, that'll, I think that'll be cool. And it, it just keeps going until I think uh, twenty hundred, and then after the the pre-show party begins. So is this going to be at the actual convention center, or is it going to be at the hotel? Um, I'm pretty sure it's at the hotel. I could be wrong about that. It might be at the convention center. Um, I am pretty sure it is at the Hyatt Regency. Let me see. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's at the Hyatt. I, I, I could be wrong about that. But I it's, think it's, it was the Hyatt. Yeah, that's They're bitching thing. about Wi-Fi there, weren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, that's still that's going to be a, a, I guess, an issue still. It's just that the, the 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 location. I mean, I don't know how much I'm supposed to say, so I guess I won't list numbers. But they charge like like when I saw the amount of money that they charged for internet, you know, service, it was just phenomenal. And then you're thinking, well, why don't we just bring in our own signal, right? Well, they'll kick you out <laughs> if you do that or whatever. I guess that's a uh, public relation or a, you know a business relationship faux pas. You can't really do that. So, um, well, isn't yeah. the uh, hotel they're charging like ten bucks a night, right? Yeah, that's not too bad. Ten dollars a night for what? For for internet. I yeah. I thought that was if you were but staying there region. and it was over a hundred a night for the yeah. room. No, well maybe. But, I mean, we're, everyone's going to have, like, a lot of people in their room anyway, I think. I mean, I, I would imagine. I mean, that's what I'm going to do, so. Now, uh, you know one person who's not going to be at OLS this year that was there last year? I uh, know. Otto Bacon actually posted about it on his blog on the 11th that he wasn't going to be attending this year. No, but the talks this year are really good, actually. I, I frankly, I don't know. I, I didn't need to see John o. Bacon talking about community again you know so i i think it's it's actually pretty good i there's a like a lot of people um there's a lot of people talking that i don't know i haven't heard from before you know i mean names that i've i've not personally seen some names that are just really really cool like the doug mcilroy guy who's going to be doing i guess the, the big keynote he is he was like literally working at bell labs and was on the team 
you know, shortly after Unix was created. He invented the Unix pipe. I mean, and he's going to be doing the keynote. I mean, that's huge. You know, that's going to be really, really cool to hear from someone who literally helped invent the, you know, the the, the system like our system is like. What was the guy's um, name? Doug McElroy. Oh, McElroy. Um, yeah, M-C-E-L. I'm reading it. M-C-I-L, I think. No, I think it's E-L, because I'm reading a book right now about that. Cool. Um, when, uh, um, what is it, when when guys, I forget even the title of it, I just got it from the library two days ago. Okay, when yeah, that's, it, probably, it, that's probably him then, I, I imagine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very it's, cool. Uh, it's interesting, so for when giants never sleep or something like that. Cool, so how, I, I've not the, heard of that one. Yeah, how the internet began. Interesting to find out that it started with Dwight D. Eisenhower. I thought that's it was Al Gore. Yeah, right. But that's where that's who started ARPA. Was Eisenhower? Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, because of because of the launch of Sputnik. That's how the whole thing started. Wow, so but, Sputnik actually started the internet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was where the. Uh, uh, you mean it wasn't Al Gore after all? It was the Russians. Uh, yeah, the Russians did it. It's all their fault. I thought I brought the book up with me, but I guess I didn't. It must be downstairs still. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not seeing his name as he spells it in that book title anywhere um, on this. But it could be... You could be right. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it's... Because I went to school with a kid that spelled his name the same way. And we okay. used to call him McElroy. Oh, okay. That would be interesting. Very interesting talk. Yeah, I mean, that'll be really, really cool. Dan Washko is going to talk there as well on the uh, Linux boot process, which will be kind of an extension of his uh, HPR series, I would imagine, on the subject. Great series that he did. Yeah, I was really, was really happy that none of the uh, proposed OS 10 or, yeah, like a lot of, there were a couple of talks because this year is like a big 40 years of Unix theme, right? And so there were a couple of talks, you know, proposed like Mac OS, this Mac OS that so luckily none of that got in. Yeah. That would suck. I would have really been disappointed. I was I was not eager to go to a Linux fest with Macintosh OS talks <laughs> present. There's like a couple of BSD ones which should be interesting. Um I guess the you know, the the biggest representation is, is obviously Linux, but there's a couple of generic, I guess, open source quote unquote ones. Uh B S D like a Python, random stuff like that. But yeah, it should it should be really cool. And so you can get into the Saturday talks by paying uh, as a supporter, and you can get into the Friday talks no matter what, from one to eight o'clock, thirteen to eight to twenty hundred. Are, are you gonna? Could you send me the that schedule you just talked about, and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's ohiolinux.org/schedule.html, but I will also paste it in just to make sure there's no misspellings. Yeah, because I probably won't get to the hotel until probably 2 or 3. Yeah, I imagine there's going to be a lot of that, too. But on the other hand, a lot of people are showing up on Friday for, like, the hackathon, and there's going to be a um, uh, the, OF, the OLFU, like the little university course and stuff. So, I mean, there's going to be people arriving for that day anyway. So I, I 
Yeah, it's not going to be as busy, obviously, as Saturday, but I imagine it's going to be a pretty good turnout. And some of the talks, I think, are really interesting. I mean, on, on Friday, there are the ones that I mentioned uh, by the OpenStreetMap people, map people, me on Blender, Ilan from Scale. I don't know what he's talking about, but he's a good speaker. Uh, I've seen him a couple of times. Uh, Jonathan Daniel is going to be talking about uh, Ruby on Rails for, like, system administrators or whatever. And then uh, a guy is going to be talking about enterprise security. So the last two talks are going to be very sort of sysadmin-y, and then the front ones are just kind of random stuff. But it, I think they're going to be really good talks. So yours is at 2 o'clock? Uh, mine is at 3 o'clock. Oh, good. No, wait, that's, that's wrong. They must have dropped an hour. I must be missing someone. Well, I, maybe I, I'll leave earlier and try to make it. It's a five-hour drive. And yeah, yeah. Now, I think maybe there's a... A talk missing at two o'clock. That's what I'm, I'm guessing. I can, I can look it up. Uh, yeah, at, at, actually at fourteen hundred, um, it's Daniel Chen doing uh, better living through beta testing, which uh, is a cool talk as well. I'm sure. So, so I'm at fifteen hundred, and that's it. All right, cool. All right, who wants to go next? How about three thirty? All righty. Well. Uh, Brilliant. I'd try him in the bin if he hadn't already done it to himself. Yeah, really. I mean, I think that's sort of insightful and, and thoughtful, much like... Actually, I think it's the best, best story he's ever come up with, to be honest <laughs> with you. I do, I really do. You guys can't hear him? No. That's weird, he's talking right now. No way. <laughs> he's talking to himself. <laughs> That's too bad. Yeah, it's a real pity. All right, move on next. How about evil as? Okay. Art V. Okay, I am going to step back to the beginners of Linux, and I found a site, and I will post it in the chat here. It's the top ten best cheat sheets and tutorials for Linux and Unix commands. It's a really, it's a, it's a pretty good. It's a pretty good breakdown of sheets. If I get the damn thing to go up here, um, yeah, it's, it's it's it really broke down into different. Uh, it's got a toolbox uh, cheat sheet section. It's got a tutorial for beginners. It's got the shell tutorials. Uh, learn Unix in ten minutes. Um, a teacher, a CAD teacher, had wrote it for his students because of all the questions he was getting and uh, so he decided to make up this little like um, brief how-to on how to use Linux and then the command line and and uh, it looking through it it's, it uh, does give you pretty much learning it in 10 minutes I mean this is kind of like going off of what you had on your your uh, your bad apples one there got to yeah, like episode 09 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this kind of really helps. If people listen to that and looked at these, and they're nice because you can print them out, you know, they're, a couple of them are like seven pages, you know, the base of them. Some of them are uh, just a couple pages, you know, like the pocket guide type. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things on there that you take for granted people use or they 
they don't use anymore just because they don't remember them. I mean, I was in one of the other chat rooms, and one of the guys was doing something, and he's a, a very simple command. I don't even remember what it was myself. That uh, he said, you know, there you go, back to basics. It was a command that, you know, you learned right from the beginning. You know, like an LS command or something on that nature. And uh, he he, uh, he had forgot all about it. And, and another guy said, well, why don't you just do this? And he's like, you know, one of them does smack your face deals. But I think a lot of people will benefit from this. I'm sure there's things in here that somebody somebody will get something good out of there's there's enough of it in here yeah i mean these are it's it's nice to see these kinds of things compiled into one place yeah i know when we had that conversation you were you were saying that you know it's hard to find things like this and yeah yeah you know you can always think oh yeah i've seen something like that somewhere and you can never remember where but yeah bookmark Uh, that yeah i actually got it off of uh, google reader it was oh, on cool. there on uh, one of the, uh, I think it was a, uh, the How To Forge site. Oh, yeah, that's a, actually a really good site that I always forget about. Yeah, I have the RSS feed in my Google Reader, and every day I just kind of blow through the feeds, and, you know, they give you the headlines and everything. And I seen this, and I said, oh, look at this. This is really, this is nice. Uh, two of these I had seen before on separate separate sites. But to see them piled together like this, and like I said, it's not just it's not just command sheets, sheets, but it, it's actual um, little tutorials, and uh, you know, like the the one is a Unix tutorial for beginners. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, That's it's cool. basically yeah, it's eight simple tutorials on how to use Linux and Unix commands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way that I did it, you know, got familiar with it was basically I just started. Doing, I started taking things that I would do on the computer repetitively, and then I would I, I would I would find out how to do it on the command line with like one of those tutorials or a cheat sheet or something. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes the tutorials better because they usually are doing that. They're saying here is how to copy a file from your you know such and such to such and such, and instead of doing it some way you know that you're used to, you force yourself to do it on the command line, and then. Uh, you do that like 30 times and suddenly it becomes second nature. Oh yeah, your your uh, your cast was really really good and then you know with the with the uh, you know the site you had with it really made it you know easy to understand. Mhm. Yeah. And like I said looking through these there's a few of them that are on the same they're on the same line as how you laid yours out and Yeah. If you listened it, it sheds a lot of light on them because it just you know, it, it's overwhelming at times. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I like it. I mean, I have the one machine. It's just command line. You know, it's just it's a little. It's just cut slack. We're on it with just a command line and things like this. Really, I mean, if I screw it up, I sew up. I screw it up. But it's a great machine to try different things like this on. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, and and that's what I think. People beginning, if they didn't get their hands on something like that. You you really can learn a lot. I mean, you don't have to worry about destroying your your using computer. You know, the one or your laptop that you have to use every day. Or yeah, your mission critical machine that you yeah. can't screw up, or else yep. you don't get your work done, or whatever. Yep, yep, it's great. I mean, I I have a blast with it. 
if anybody else has got any comments, but that's about all i got to say about it. That's a good find. It looks good out. A lot of reading in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can uh, spend some time. And like I said, once you, you read over it, there, I, I'm sure anybody will see things on there to go, oh, that's, you know, that was really good. And, you know, I've been looking for something like that. And I, I just think a lot of people will, will get something out of it. Yeah, even the alphabetical list of uh, command line commands. Yeah, yeah. That I was could bloody good. sit there for two days just reading through them and playing with them. Yeah, right. And like I said, it may be something that you, you, you've been meaning to do or you thought about doing and then you forgot. I mean, you know how that goes. You, five seconds later, you're, you're doing something else and you forgot all about what you just were thinking about. And uh, at least with that, you can you could print them out and maybe highlight it or, you know, stick it on the bulletin board by your computer and go, oh, yeah, yeah, i got to do that. I want to make sure I do that. And you have it all right there instead of trying to figure out, well, where did I see that or... I know that was somewhere. My problem is I have these bookmarks on five different computers, and I forget which one I bookmarked a page on. Well, you need that Ubuntu service. The which one? one? I think oh, they yeah. called it One or something. I don't know whatever happened to that thing. I haven't really heard much about it. Well, didn't they phase that out with uh, something else they're coming out with? Oh, maybe. And, I, you know, I was... Like, Firefox has that thing you can... Uh, you can lock your bookmarks together, right, with different systems. But I don't always use Firefox. I mean, I have Opera on one as a browser and uh, something else on another machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, trying out different uh, web browsers. And so mm-hmm. I can't even I can't even hook my bookmarks. I'd more or less have to. I really should just take a file and put on like my network, my my, uh, my 500 gig drive here and just. I should just make a folder up with bookmarks and just copy all my bookmarks into there. Then I can just go to that drive and go, oh, yeah, here's the bookmark. Of course, maybe I'll arrange them a little better if I do that, too. (laughs) Yeah. Now, does anyone know if there's an AGPL version of uh, Delicious out there by chance? That's a good question. That's the one that sort of, like, manages your bookmarks online, right? It's a social bookmarking site. Yeah, okay. I get, yeah, some people send me links from there all the time. I don't know if there is or not. I I think I did actually hear something like that. Um, I just don't remember what on earth it was. Well, on that, everybody can see your bookmarks, though, right? Whatever you put up on that. Isn't that how that works? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, not only that, I think that's, like, the point of it. Yeah, I think you can mark some of them to be private. Oh, okay. But if you're putting them up on someone's, someone else's server, there's no way it's ever private. No, no, absolutely not. That's why I say I just assume put them on my, my hard drive, my portable hard drive here. Well, that's why I asked if there was an AGPL version of it, then you could run a version of it on your you know home server and not share it with anyone and still be able to access them anywhere. Well, that's true. You could get around that, too, like run iOS on your own server or something. I guess that would be a bit clunky, though. What was the other? Oh, OpenID. I think a lot of the OpenID sites, and I don't know which one is technically GPL or whatever, but oh, but that's what you're, you're, you're saying to actually run something on your own server so that you can get into it. Yeah, well, that's what I would like to do. I just yeah, but see, if you did that, why don't you just SSH into your server and grab the... Uh, 
you know, launch Firefox or something and, and just wherever your bookmarks are, well, but then you're not consolidating them. Yeah, not okay. Not only that, but you have to have everything running then. Yeah. You know, yeah. like if I wanted to get into my netbook, I'd have to have that going, you know. I mean, right, 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 yeah. At least yeah. this way, if I put it on my, you know, my USB drive here, I can actually I can plug it on a couple different boxes, but, you know, leave it on my, my Debian box or whatever that I leave running all the time. Couldn't you just use R-Sync or something to R-Sync your Mozilla folder? Well, wouldn't that but, work? But like I said, I don't have I don't have Mozilla on everything, right? I mean, oh, Opera is Mozilla, right? No. But no, no, that's different. Opera is Opera. Yeah. They're not actually open source. Actually, they're they're like their own little company. Now, another option is there are those. Um, like TiddlyWiki, I want to say, there's a couple of different versions of that style of program out there, and a lot of them have the ability that you could sync it, what put into your TiddlyWiki to a off-site server that you could control yourself. So you could save your bookmarks into something like that and then use that and sync it all around the place. Yeah, that's true. That's a good idea. That would be pretty neat. I... Somebody did, uh, who was that, Sets of Web or something, did a, uh, did a thing on Tiddly Wiki? Yeah. Hey, anyone else says Tiddly Winky, you're all going to... Wiki. Tiddly Wiki. Oh, to the bin with you. I don't, I haven't used bookmarks in so long. Not since the super, what do they call it, the super location bar? Awesome yeah. bar. Yeah, whatever it is. So get to the bin, you don't correct me. I think, I think I only use bookmarks for stuff that I really should look at, but will not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I don't use them anymore, because that's what it always becomes. It's just like, eh, I'll never but get around to that. four million links to things that I should have looked at yeah. and are probably absolutely interesting, but not interesting enough to actually look at. What about all these note-taking apps that everyone's been talking about for months now? Huh, oh, couldn't yeah. you just use one of them and on every... I don't know how they work, but surely that can go on a server and you can put all your bookmarks in that. Yeah, but then you have to have two things running. You can't... You know, you're ending up copying and pasting links instead of just clicking in a in a list. What about um, that Dropbox? Put your, your um, bookmarks file in Dropbox and link to that or something? I don't know. Can't be that hard, surely. Well, it's not hard. I mean, but but the specific question was a GPL version, and, oh, and okay. Dropbox isn't, and it wouldn't even be a full solution anyway. Yeah. And delicious isn't, and all those, you know. So yeah. Well, I mean, if sure. it if it's a web service, I don't want it to be just GPL. It, you know, anymore, I want it to be a GPL. Oh, okay. I don't know what a GPL is actually. I mean, I've heard of it. I just don't know the big difference between... Google ran everything they were doing on their servers through AGPL. You would be able to get the code for what they're doing much easier. Oh, okay. That's part of the requirement of AGPL. Ah. If they make a change, they have to share it. Users, I believe. Wow. Whereas GPL just says if you're distributing the code, you have to share it. Well, when you're running a server, you're not distributing the code. And you can still lock people in by making tweaks to GPL code. Right, but you've got their data, basically. 
Right. Well, that is interesting. Is that why the AGPL uh, came out? It was uh, part of it. I think it was also involved with a specific company who helped create that license. Yeah, the Aferos or whatever it's called. Cool. Which, um, if I can, there's a jumping off point on talking about AGPL where um, FSF has started a clone of this book that is under the AGPL called Daisy Chain, and it's daisychain.in. Well, that's great, except it's no longer your turn to do your story, Lord D. Trying to slip that one in by us. Yeah, what was that? 3.30? Your your second try? Unless you dropped off again? No, I'm still here. My my try, because you guys said that uh, we were doing bacon snacks, was a BLT without actually having to fry bacon. Yeah, because if you're, you know in the middle of doing something, you really don't want to have to get up to, you know, go and actually cook bacon. So what you do is you take your lettuce and tomato and white bread and just stick bacon A's in it. Totally works. Wait a minute, so you chop up the bacon? No, there's a product called Bacon A's. Is it's this bacon the same flavored. people who do Vegemite? No, but it is the same people that do bacon salt. It's salt oh that tastes gosh. like bacon. Well, actually, wow. this sounds good. Yeah, mm. it... Oh, well, everything's better with bacon. It is. Not if you're vegetarian. Plateau, I'm surprised you haven't thrown him in the bin already. I know, right? 330 yeah. in the bin for promoting meat products. <laughs> yeah. And Monster, right, you're well, really close right now. You're, like, right there because you're saying it sounds good. Don't forget I'm the mayor. Let's <laughs> <laughs> well, see. Clatu, all you got to do is make a, a fake and stuff. You're in the bin. There's what are you no even still doing bullshit about this, 330. You're in the bin. What are you get in the bin? How long did you give look, you, Clatu? Look, I'm starting a revolution. There is no bin. 330. The bin is in your mind. You can walk to the bin now, or we have to take you to the bin. It's up to you. Don't take me, bro. Don't. He's going to the noose. <laughs> yeah, really. We haven't had a good hanging on this show yet. Well, there's always going to be somebody that gives us a problem. I know. I, I was starting to think we are listening to the Iron Chef there for a little while. <laughs> yeah, I know. Bacon A's. That's what it's called, Bacon A's? He's <laughs> Googling it right now. He's like, oh. Well, I want to see if that's at my local grocery store. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, let me... I forgot to tell you guys we have a uh, baby monitor hooked up to the bin. Let's see what's going on in there. And then, and then he grabs uh, some bacon. Let me shut this off. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I should have never hooked that up. No. <laughs> All right, how about you, Deputy Jay Lindsay? What do you got for us? I have no bacon, but right. I do have. I do have some information about you, Deb. Now, if you don't know what you, Deb, is, that's uh, that's what creates all those little device files in your slash dev directory. Including the, the slash dev slash um, drum? Yes. Cool. But but not so much now. <laughs> the uh, the DevFS system that they used to use would create all the device files that could possibly be detected, which was creating quite a problem. So the new system basically detects your hardware and then creates the device. Nice. But UDEV rules are... They're fairly straightforward in concept, 
you're you're basically putting a line in the uh, in a UDEV rules file, and it has to get a match on the device using some attribute from it, and you can get that from either the sysfs uh, file system or through something like UDEV info. So basically, you're writing the rule that says something like, if the device has this manufacturer, then I want to name it this. Cool. And you can write rules to do a lot of things that are pretty handy. Like, you can match a device and launch a certain application when that device is plugged in. You can create symbolic links, have multiple names for your devices. There's just a ton of stuff that you can do with it. So, Jay Lindsay, with UDEV rules, you could have it identify a specific, say, thumb drive and then automatically rsync a bookmark file for you to that drive. Yeah, exactly. You just, you just get it to recognize. You could use file size. You could use the model number on it. Anything to get a match on the device. And this has already been, I mean, this is not news per se, this is something that they're actually doing right now, that's the new system that they're using? Right, it's, it's been in use for quite a while under 2.6. Okay, cool. And the change in, is that instead of creating every single device it could, now it's going to smartly seek what devices are there and monitor for new ones and create those devices instead of creating every single one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we have a jokester in the house. I bet you anything that was the sheriff. I think it probably was. No, no, it wasn't me. Hmm. So, there's still a couple of things wrong with this. You, David J. Lindsay, like CPU frequency modules um, aren't being detected right. Uh, PCM CIA card readers are not treated as removal devices. I'm just looking at the Arch Wiki on it. So it's still a few things to sort out with it. Um, yeah, it's being worked on, you know, with the kernel, so they're working out bugs as they find them. Mixed up devices, sound and network cards changing order on each boot. How would that be a problem? Ah, uh, if you had two, two, um, yeah, okay, two Ethernet cards, you'd have one would load as zero, one would load as one, and then that's what the next time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I imagine some some people are going to have issues with this no matter what. I mean, for the same reason that they have issue with, like, HAL or something. You know, they just want to be able to define everything themselves and make sure that everything is assigned a very specific thing every time. But for other people, this is, I'm sure, very handy. I think that's something I'm going to have to look into uh, for my show because the way I record it, I use multiple USB headsets and I've got to, you know, plug the headsets in and a particular order. Oh, wow. So I know which one is which in Jakosher. But with this, I might be able to find some way of Not giving sure, each yeah. one a particular name. Yeah. And write a UDEV rule or something. What do they call Pretty it? Pretty cool. Yeah. But this would really only help when you're on the command line, right? I mean, if you had like six USB pen drives plugged in, they're all going to be labeled. Or am I like not understanding this. I think you're, yeah, I think you're incorrect about that because, I mean, yeah, they'll be labeled and that's done by how because they're being auto-mounted and stuff. But in terms of, like, which USB port 
is which well no that would be the same well no because I mean if you plug in um, I don't know a microphone into a USB port then that's going to be assigned a certain uh, device name right and when you go to set it as your input in your audio program you're going to have to look for that specific device but then the next time you do it you plug in a different microphone into that USB port because you're just not you know you like Lord Dragon Bullet, you're not really thinking about, oh, I need to do it in this order, and I need to make sure this one goes to this port, this one goes to that port. I too, I'll give you one example where it's a little bit worse, is once you get three or four USB headsets plugged in, they're all, say, Logitech brand, they all show up under uh, K-Mix as Logitech USB audio device or something uh, to that accord. Yeah. yeah, so you don't even know if it's an input or an output device, do you? I know it detects and gives me the ability to set the headset and the mic, but I'm guessing as to which one is which Right. when I'm setting that up. Yeah, so with with the UDEV rule, you would uh, be able to define which device is going to get a certain device name no matter what you plug it into. Right. And then hopefully KMix would detect you know, if I took, you know, a headset and labeled it one on the plug and then set up a UDEV rule that when this one's plugged in, it's always this name, it would show up in K-Mix in a similar fashion. I could at least see you know, Logitech USB headset one. Right, yeah, exactly. I, I'm pretty sure that would be correct, although I guess we're all speaking at this point sort of in the dark because none of us really know what we're talking about. But it does look like you can give it group names, you can give them device names, uh, stuff like that. So I don't. I, I think I think we're probably right about that. And we can use this right now. Yeah, this is implemented now. The story here, I guess, is really a website on how to do this. Yeah, it, this has been around for a, a long time, years. It's just that nobody really looks into UDEF rules unless they really need them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've heard of writing UDEV rules, and I've just, yeah, I've never known even where to go to investigate the possibility. But I'm going to read through this for sure. This is a, this is a, this looks like a cool read. All right, cool. Any more questions on this one? Nope. All right. How about you, Zoke? What do you got for us? I've got a, an interesting word. So I got it off Lifehacker, and they said uh, it's free and anonymous torrenting but it's actually a bit more than that it's a website called itshidden.com which I've just posted into the IRC and basically they're set up in the uh, Netherlands what they do is you can set up a 128-bit encrypted tunnel so you tunnel to their stuff you set up a VPN basically you, you tunnel to their website and then go and do whatever you want on the internet to anonymize your activity. Um, you need to sign up for a free account and then set up the VPN. And that's it. So, But in the end, how do you know they're not logging everything that passes through them? That was they one of my questions. If they say they don't, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the things you don't know for certain. They say they are not keeping any records of any of it. It's it definitely, you know, how much you trust them. 
I mean, some of you might say it's easier because it's in a different country, so therefore it's... Uh, yeah, it's certainly... It, it's harder for the up, FBI yeah. or whoever to come up and knocking on their doors. Then again, you know, if you did something really, really bad anyway, if enough government agencies and police forces and stuff get involved, you're screwed no matter what. And so how... Still, well, I was going to say, there's still presumably the, depending on how many people are using it, the issue that if you're connecting to them and then their stuff suddenly goes to, you know, childpornography.com or whatever, then they can still link you up because whenever your internet access is set, is running and you're running this tunnel to them, that's the only time that certain sites are hit. You could then turn around and say, well, actually, it is this person. There are certain attacks that way you can do and, and figure out. Well, you can't say absolutely definitely. It just seems rather coincidental that the only time that you go on the internet, this bad stuff happens. <laughs> but according to uh, Lifehacker, it said, during our test run with a large Linux distribution, connection speeds with the its hidden VPN enabled were only negligibly decreased from our standard torrent speeds without the VPN in place. So, I mean, I, I've i looked around on the internet and I can't find anyone saying it's you know, really, really bad or anything. And they say because they're in the Netherlands, there's certain legalities about they don't have to copy this or they can't because of certain the legal climate there. Um, again, it's you know how much you trust them. You, know, so you, you end up having to trust someone. If, um, if Australia was to introduce the net filtering, it would be simply a matter of using this and... Yeah. And that would bypass the net filtering, wouldn't it? Yes. Until they added this as well, they, one they of the sites on the blacklist. Yeah. Well, they could... I'm not sure whether they could do that, because if you're doing a VPN, you're setting up a connection. I mean, if they physically block that machine, I'm sure that if people were so inclined, they could just add extra machines on or different different websites and IP addresses that bounce to the same one. But because that, that one is... Yeah, if Australia blocked its hidden.com, you could still go to the IP address. If they block that IP address, all they do is they use something else to have a different IP address bounce that way. Or, you know, it's hidden2.com, and that isn't blocked, and you can still get around it. So, it's one of these things that the, the blocking would never actually work. But yes, in theory, you can do that. Of course, yes. Australia could then turn around and say, we're, we're banning VPN because think of the children, whatever. Yes, the standard right. reasons, terrorists are doing it, or think of the children, one of the two, uh, and still, still ban the VPNs, which would mean you're still screwed. But yes, in theory, you can use this and get around all the, all the stuff. Yeah, so they can be off in there. $182 million. Dollars. Sorry, Lord D. I was saying the only advantage this thing seems to have over uh, the Onion Router is at this time oh, <laughs> run both you know <laughs> go to the VPN first and then run the onion router to really bug people again it comes down to who you trust do you trust the onion router do you trust this there are issues with both of them the onion router if you have a um, the hang on the end point I think it is the one closest to you still knows who you are so if that is a a government one, let's say, for example, then the government will know exactly what you're doing. So if China, for example, wanted to, to stop people using the onion router, they set up a bunch of onion routers themselves, 
and if they're the end point, they know exactly what everyone's doing. But it was the entry node that you'd want to be at that point, not the exit node. Um, because the exit node doesn't know where the data yes. originated from. Sorry, yes, the start point, not the end point. It's the entry, as you said. Yes, you are right. I, I think I started off saying that the, the start point and then switched it to the end point in the middle. But yes, the one closest to you, isn't it? Because, of course, they have to send it to you. But I just figured it was something else for 330 to play around with. Yeah, we'll have a look at it. You're going to have to read something to use it. You know that, don't you? <laughs> I have to read? <laughs> Screw that. Yeah. Reading is for Windows users and people that have jobs. <laughs> well said. What about students? No? No, they just go and find the, uh, what is it, Cliff Notes version of the book? Watch the video. Yeah, <laughs> they watch the movie. <laughs> I've done that before. Can't remember what book it was, but it was terrible. Probably a Charles Dickens novel. And the movie was god awful too. I think there's a a place in my head where I've blocked it out because it hurt so bad. <laughs> yeah. It was probably great expectations. Nah. Dude, I go to school in the Midwest. The only expectation <laughs> that we have is sing corn <laughs> and meth. <laughs> right. Hey, there is more than corn in Indiana. We have soybeans, too. Well, speaking of corny, you got anything else, Oak? <laughs> no. Uh, no, I only have one story. I don't want to go back in the bin again. Right. 3.30's licking frisky in there. <laughs> 3.30's licking frisky in there? Looking what was frisky. That? Looking frisky. He's got uh. the bacon lube out, and he was, <laughs> oh. you know, he was trying to get th something with Eva... Evil as anyway. I, I, was trying to think. I, I don't remember sending Frisky into the bin. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering yeah, how three thirty could be licking him. Pocket. He had it in his pocket. Hmm. That's one of his gerbils. Did, uh, get in the bin. Wow. <laughs> Art, <laughs> Art is just out of control today. Gerbils. What do you got for us, Peter sixty four? Well, I actually had nothing until, thank God, I was talking to Lord D. Um, now, obviously, I know Lord D's heard about this because he told me. But has anyone heard of ear candy? I think I have heard of it, um, but I'm not clear on what it is or does anymore. Now, well, when when um, Lord D pointed it out to me, I, I had a look at this, and I thought, well, this is probably the only reason I could think of for actually wanting to use Pulse Audio because... What it is, it's it's like a, a sort of audio control, but automatically, as windows become focused, um, adjust the audio level for that particular application as it fades the previous one out. Um, like, if you watch the video on the site there, just to give you an example, you might be watching a movie on VLC and then Skype rings, well, what it'll do is fade the movie volume down and it'll bring Skype up automatically. Um, so virtually it's just fading in and out uh, whatever application you happen to be focused on at the time. Now, I know Joe Lindsay had a muck around with it quickly. And from all, all, all the comments I'm reading, it works very well in the latest uh, jaunty, is it? the Whatever the latest Ubuntu is. 
I noticed that it's in the Arch repos. I myself haven't tried it yet because I only just found out about it about an hour ago when I was talking to Lord D. Lord D, have you, have you played around with it at all? No, not yet, but I just a couple comments I have from is this was supposed to be part of the promise of Paul's audio from what I remember. And it just seems like someone has gone and built this program and all really seems to be doing is you create a priority list of, you know, if Skype happens, mute, you know, get everything else out and bring Skype. You build a priority list of, you know, well, Skype's the most, you know, Skype, anything along those lines is the most important. I, you know, video's the next, audio, and so on and so forth down. Yeah, I, like I said, I haven't tried it yet, but I can see it being... Well, especially with just Skype, and also sometimes when you are watching a movie and then and someone posts a video in IRC to have a look at, you often click on it, um, and it would be handy for it to just uh, lower the volume of the movie you're watching at the time. So anyway, that's just a quick one. Like I said, it's in the Arch repo, so I'm going to have a go. Challenge you, you got it going on Fedora without any problem at all, didn't you? Yeah, I played with it. Uh, it has a few problems. Uh, it's it's not so complex as you're building a list. Uh, really, what's happening is uh, the first time you run an application, it's it's getting uh, the name of the window and stuff like that to tell which program it's running, and you set the volume for that application. And the next time it comes up, then it's going to have the right volume. But where the trouble comes in, it it's actually using a very simple method of telling what needs to play audio. Whatever window gets the focus is what's going to get the audio cranked up, and the other one's going to go down. But it has it has issues like when you go full screen with VLC, it loses focus. So your your movie, you know, your volume fades out, and then XMMS cranks all the way to the max. That's and not that's good. Uh, it has little bugs, but I'm sure they'll work it out. Uh, as far as uh, this is what Pulse is supposed to do, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, right now, Pulse has that capability, but it's only, it isn't nice. It's like you can mute a particular application, but it's not going to fade out, and it's not going to raise the volume on another application. Even in the, the ear candy you read me, it, it says, you know, these features are coming to Pulse eventually, but here they are right now. This is a so this is in... Go ahead, Quatu. Oh, I was just going to say, so this is like a quick and temporary fix, it sounds like. Yeah, it, it, there's like two lines in the readme, and one of them is like, uh, Pulse is going to have this, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have it now. It's an interim fix until Pulse. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's okay. It, it puts a little icon in your uh, your system tray, and and you can open up the thing and configure your applications. It's okay now, for for just using. One thing I saw on the site, it said it you know tries to auto detect programs and applications, but it had problems with some of them like VLC that it didn't know what it was. Yeah, it, it's kind of kind of wonky in that effect because it it'll have a, an application in the program already, and then it will detect it as something else because. Sometimes they change the name on the window when you open a different file, and that throws it off. And, and another one of the annoying things is 
when it detects a new application, one that it doesn't have a, f a file for yet, it automatically puts it at 100% volume. So you got to watch your ears when you're playing with this thing. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that's now does nice this that's in pad default. It would be nicer to default things to site 50, and then you can oh, yeah. say, well, this should be above, and this lot should be below, and then you know, new stuff comes in the middle. Is it detecting the volume that, say I set the volume for VLC full blast, it honoring what I set DLC at, or is this what pulp, what like a mix? Where I can set the volume in one program and then set my overall system volume to something else. No, it it is not honoring the application at all. Whatever you set in Ear Candy itself, it will move the volume to that level and keep it there. So it's a system volume, not per application volume. Yeah, you can you can set per application in Ear Candy, but when you go in VLC by itself and turn the volume up, it's not going to stay at that volume. It's going to stay at Ear Candy's volume. Yeah, one thing on the readme here that I reckon Scooter's that it will um, it automatically detect when you plug in a USB headset and and then push the sound out through that. Yeah, which is good. I, I tested it with my headset and that actually works. Yeah, um, well that's the that would make it worth its weight in gold, like just that alone, I reckon. Yeah. It I mean, it's still early development, isn't it? It's only at, what, 0 0.04? Oh, yeah, it's very early, yeah. 0.4. It, it gives you a little notify, and it says moving audio to headset. And I've got to admit, that that sounds like a nice little feature there, because in the past, on when I plugged in a USB headset and I have to manually, you know, dig into the program settings and switch it over to using headset gets a little annoying, especially after the headset's been unplugged and you restart the program. Yeah. Yeah, we've always known that the Pulse Audio had, you know, great features in mind. It's just getting it all working together. And, you know, eventually distros are going to have it ironed out, so it all works. And those will be good times. Yeah, I will like that when that occurs. It's actually been moving really steadily, though. I will say that it's you know it's not like not like they introduced it and then walked away from it and just left everyone hanging. It's, it feels like they're really working on it pretty quickly, which is cool. I can deal with that. Yeah, I, I think I might have a go at it. Try getting Pulse running on the desktop and then install this. I don't think I'll be doing it on the laptop in case I stuff up the audio. It took me that long to get it working. I haven't really had that many. I, I can't can't remember the last time I've cursed Pulse Audio, really. I, I, I'm pretty sure lately it's been doing everything I need it to do. Have you used it under Slackware? No, 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 I haven't, I haven't bothered installing it on Slackware. So yours would have been all, what, Fedora just mainly, or...? Yeah, yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm basing my, I think all my Pulse experience off of Fedora, actually. Mm. Which, in theory, is where it ought to be the best, since the developer is a Red Hat employee, as far as I recall. I'm, I'm still shocked that Ubuntu shipped with it. Uh, I never could understand how how they justified that. Yeah, well, I'd, I must say, I, besides what you just said, I still hadn't heard a good report about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not raving about it, but I am saying that they're working on it, uh, it seems, pretty steadily. And, uh, you know, Pulsecaster is looking pretty promising, so 
Yeah, I don't know. And then, and I haven't had that much. I, I cannot remember the last time that I have sat down and just obsessed over hating Pulse Audio. I mean, it's, it's been uh, it's been largely transparent to me. So, if you want to hear a good rant about Pulse Audio, just get Kajari talking about it, and he'll give you an earful. Yeah, well, you see, he's he's got more demanding audio needs than I do right now because I mean, he's dealing with a screen reader and then how that interacts over or with all the rest of his uh, sound. And me, I'm right now, I mean, all I do with my computers in terms of sound is some audio editing and and it's really about it, to be honest. I, I listen to music and I edit uh, audio. So, I mean, it's not that demanding. I'm not even doing that well, much. He's all... Like, plugging in different devices and stuff like that like you are, Lord Dragonblood. And he's also complained that Pulse Audio was never designed with audio quality in mind. Oh, I thought he was saying the opposite. I'm pretty sure he said Pulse Audio was never designed with audio quality in mind. No, I'm, I'm almost sure he's not saying that because I'm, I, I was pretty sure he said that Pulse will take advantage of the better settings of the card uh, that you have as opposed to, like, something else that will take the lowest common denominator. I thought you said something about uh, the Pulse Audio guy thinks you don't need anything but an onboard uh, sound card. Oh, okay. All right, yeah, maybe I'm misremembering then. I mean, if we can get Kajari to call in, then he can confirm exactly what he did say, because he is the the person who knows way more than the rest of us about audio stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to get him on the line now. I just remember him saying he's nothing like palms and they should all be in the bin. <laughs> that's, that's all I can remember. <laughs> that was a joke, Joe. I didn't send you to the bin. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry, sorry. I, I was <laughs> off of the bin. <laughs> you just automatically go there. <laughs> you know what's creepy? You probably have a refrigerator box that says Ben. And you crawl into it. He even took it. Come on, Kajari, call in. He he looks like he's in one of those moods. He said he's going to kick my ass. Yeah, you're going to kick your ass. <laughs> well, I interviewed him about it on Fedora Reloaded like last year or something, so I can just go back and find exactly what he said. Then I'll know for sure. The last time I heard him talking about it, which was only like in the last couple of weeks, he still wasn't very impressed with it. That's all I could recall. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm definitely not impressed. They they haven't done anything to impress me, a, a stupid user. You know, I mean, I, who knows nothing. I mean, they they've not wowed me, um, but at least it's on the level, to, from what I can tell, of being transparent to me, like the average user. You know, I mean, when I start up Audacity, I don't have to issue any fancy PA suspend command like I used to. Um, when I plug in my, uh, you know, a microphone or a capture device. It, it's, it's easy to put that in to Audacity or, or Sweep or whatever I'm putting it into. I hear the sound that I want to on the device that I want to, whether it's the speaker, the, the earphone, whatever. So I don't know it's there, which is a good thing, I think, for the, the regular user. I mean, I know Chad was complaining about it nonstop for a while and, and how it's implemented in Ubuntu, if I recall correctly. Um, he was... I, I think I've heard that from a couple of people, actually, that just either Hardy or Jaunty or, or whatever they're on right now, one of those was, like, really, really bad for, for Paul. Hardy and was really bad because they didn't really even configure it. They just kind of 
threw it on there and was like, oh, well, I hope everybody likes it. Ah, uh, okay. That's how it was in Fedora 9, I think. That was, I think that was the first one, yeah. And it was just like, there's Pulse, it's going to be great someday. And you're just like, why is my sound not working and where is Pulse? Because, yeah, it's, it was really tough. I've got yeah. no doubt it will be really great one day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. on Hardy, they didn't put any of the, the Pulse tools on it, did they? No. Which not a I, single one of them. was an issue. Wasn't that an issue with quite a few distros where they didn't ship any tools for dealing with it and you had to install it after the fact? Yeah, now that you mention I think even Fedora 9 did the same thing, which I remember surprised me and disappointed me. Now, now isn't Pulse Audio, like, part of GNOME now, where it's official? I don't know, is it? I think no, it is. Kajari calls him, we can just check with him. I think it's a uh, a requirement for GStreamer now. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And that would Tell explain me why GStreamer has gone downhill so quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, where does um, the Phonon fit into all this cloud too? Phonon is almost an, al an alternative to Pulse, I think. I mean, almost. Basically, Phonon is like a layer that has all the fancy audio things that you can do, and then you as a programmer can just say, okay, so Phonon, make a call to whatever backend the user has defined, you know, whether it's Zine or GStreamer or, or you know, whatever the other ones are, and, and manage that for me. So Phonon has all that built in so that you don't have to write a, you don't have to choose for yourself, okay, this application is going to be compatible with GStreamer. You know, you could say, this application is a sound application. I'm going to make all my special audio calls to Phonon and let it sort out which, which, which backend to use and stuff like that. So that's kind of what Phonon does. And I, I guess you need, I think you need, I think Phonon actually can kind of ignore Pulse in a way because cause Pulse brings in ALSA and OSS and all that other stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I've got the order of it all sort of mixed up, so I'm not sure whether Phonon needs to call Pulse or whether Phonon can just call Pulse also or what. But, yeah, that's what Phonon um, is. The way I understood it, and I could be mistaken here, you could write your application to talk to Phonon, and then Phonon could talk to Pulse if it wanted, Okay. could talk directly to also, you know, it an abstraction layer, but it doesn't seem to be quite as fancy of an abstraction layer as Pulse is. Right. And from what I've heard, I mean, the developers of KDE, at least, are saying that Phonon is the, it was the answer. Pulse is not. Uh, unless, I mean, I guess they're, I'm sure people are withholding judgment until Pulse gets to where it promises it's going to be. But, yeah, from what I've understood, a lot of people are kind of thinking of Pulse as sort of an unnecessary uh, thing that happened in Linux sound, but I guess everyone well, makes their own protocol better. So, Phonon was the answer to arts. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah. And I think, you know, Phonon and Pulse kind of happened around the same time. Yeah, you're pretty, you, you, sounds about right. I mean, KDE4, I guess, has been in development for a long time. I don't remember when Phonon came into the picture, but yeah, sounds about right. And everything just works better in KDE. That is correct. So you're still running KDE? Yeah, I'm still running the latest one, 4.3. Cool. Um, the only reason I know about Phonon in KDE is talking about KDE 4.3, and I installed it the other day on the laptop. Every time I boot into it, I get a message saying, 
Bainon has failed falling back to default device or something, which I remember seeing when I tried um, Pulse Audio once. Almost exactly the same message box. Yeah, I remember getting those messages on Pulse. I think I saw that once on KDE, and it was because I'd, I, like, my sound device had been set to something funky that didn't, either didn't exist, or I had, I think it was just something that didn't exist or something. Yeah, you need to just go into your system settings. Yes, yeah, so I, yeah, I did that yeah. part too. I went into system settings, had a look, and um, it, it looked like the device was set right, but all I did was move it down one and move the ulcer, I think the ulcer device up, and now I just use the ulcer and I take it. Yeah, I mean, that seems to work usually. I, I don't remember what I used off the top of my head. Yeah, it suits my meager needs, I'm afraid. You, you might not have Pulse Dash Ulta installed, and that might be what you are having set as your system default, or something similar to that. I think that might have been something that happened to me, because there's a separate device for like Pulse Audio Sound Server and Pulse Audio, and then there's the quote-unquote default, which is just Ulta. And I think what had happened was after I installed the Pulse Dash Ulta compatibility plug-in thing, it all kind of sorted itself out. Something like that. I'm, I don't remember exactly, but it had something to do with that. So do a do a repo search for like a Pulse and Ulta plug-in and see if installing that helps at all. Okay, give it a try. Oh, but you don't have Pulse on that machine, do you? No, well, um, no, it's, it, it was only when I... It was all phone-on. It's always the phone-on error message that popped up. Yeah, okay. Well, the fix for me had something to do with Pulse and also, but, yeah. Jay Lindsay, uh, do you have, um, on that KDE install, do you have, what uh, distro did you install it on? Where Where were you going with this? I was just curious um, what distro you had it on, because I'd heard some debate whether uh, Kubuntu was shipping with Pulse Audio or not, and, you know, with... Some of the stuff I've installed, I'm pretty sure I've probably pulled in some Pulse stuff by now. I'm just trying to see if, you know, Kubuntu is shipping with Pulse or not by default. I have no idea. Nor do I. The challenge he had on Fedora. Is that what you were talking about? What he tried to... Yeah, I was trying to see what system he'd installed it on, see if he could answer that question. Install what? Air Candy? KDE. What does KDE have to do with it? Just I think the question really was, are you running Kubuntu? No. Okay. That's an insult. <laughs> that's I think that's a that's a binnable offense, asking the Jamie and something like that. I think so too, actually. Yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> Get in the Hi, Lord Dragonbolt. Ta-da. Silly, silly man. I kind of set him up on that one, I guess. Yeah. He, he deserved it. I mean, that's it like fun. that's like asking somebody, do you have training wheels on your bike? Three <laughs> thirty. <laughs> how'd you guys know I had? How'd you guys know? <laughs> We've seen the website. <laughs> Should I be ashamed that my mom makes me wear a helmet too? Not when I'm riding a bike, just just whenever. <laughs> just because it makes it harder for you to lick the the windows on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not funny. It's true. I mean, what? Now, had he said 3.30, do you run Kubuntu? That would have been perfectly acceptable. 
No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't run that KDE crap. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Calling KDE crap. Crunch bang. Not quite too. Someone just called KDE crap. You know what? I've come to accept that some people aren't going to like KDE, and you just have to come oh, I haven't. with it. 3.30, get <laughs> to the bin. <laughs> wow. At least my suit's still warm. <laughs> I'm not a big KDE fan. Actually, <laughs> I, I, I... No, I shouldn't say that. I do like KDE. It's just, as I've said, I, I have no need for it. But it is impressive. A lot better than that bloody GNOME. That's very true. It really is a lot better than GNOME. Yeah, even using just the K apps in, like you do, like Fluxbox or something, I mean, they just, they work so nicely and they have a yeah, lot of integration, do. so. Everything seems and to be smooth. Yeah. I've found myself going back to Conqueror again and again. I just can't get away from it as much as I, I want to. Yeah, strangely enough, well, no, because you're talking about Conqueror as a file manager, right? Well, yeah, in web browser. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I've been using it a lot too, and I keep yeah. I, for some reason, I I keep I don't, when it works, <laughs> it works really nicely. Yeah, it's just those couple of sites that just seem to refuse to be rendered properly. But I mean, the configuration on KDE is getting a lot more robust. I mean, a lot of people used to say that KDE four didn't have all the configuration that they're used to in the three dot five dot whatever. But um, I don't know from what I mean from what I can tell. I mean, I'm not missing any of the configuration options that I used to have, that I can think of, anyway. Can you do uh, SSH uh, with Dolphin? Yeah, but isn't that, what's that, like, fish or something, right? I or do you just want to do straight up SSH? I think you have to do fish if I'm... I'm always just doing that from the command line. That's one of the ones that I just don't do graphically, but... Well, I just thought it would be... I'm pretty sure... drag icons over to one system to another. Yeah, no, you definitely can. I just... Let me look. Fish, maybe. I, I think it's fish. Oh, too bad I don't have a computer to SSH into right now. Oh, yes, I do. Hold on. Well, someone talk. <laughs> yeah, I, Dolphin's one of the applications I don't think I'll ever use. I love it. I'm... Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. But see, you, um, you used to use GNOME Monster B, didn't you? You yeah. probably still do a fair well, bit. Well, I used yeah, it because, for two years, but I don't use it anymore. Yeah. Well, Dolphin just seems to me to be Nautilus with blue icons and maybe a couple more features, but it's just not feature-rich like um, Conqueror. I mean, what can you do in Dolphin you can't do in Conqueror, but there's a hell of a lot you can do in Conqueror. You can't even split bloody windows in, in Dolphin. What do you mean, like and, a, two, a two-pane setup? Yeah, well, what you could yeah. in, in, in Windows File Manager. Yeah, you can. You can, can you do that now? Yeah, columns. Yeah, columns. So you can have two different directories open in, in Dolphin? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's new. You couldn't do that when it originally came out. Right, but, I mean, that's what the topic of the conversation was, Peter, that, that the uh, options have gotten a lot better lately. Yeah, well, I might revisit it, but... Then what's the difference now? Uh, um, yeah, I'm interested to see what's the difference between Conqueror and, and Dolphin as file managers in. Yeah, that would be interesting, actually. I I don't... See, I was not a Conqueror file manager kind of person, so I, I'm, I'm a horrible basis for comparison. Well, well, well the rule of thumb is, the rule of thumb is, whatever Nautilus, Nautilus can do, Dolphin can do better. <laughs> well, n whatever Mac OS X could not do, Dolphin can do. That's I right. Mean, for, for someone who's used to, like, a finder like I was, 
these these Linux file managers are incredible, and and Dolphin is one of them. Okay, I can have these windows. You can do but it here how too. How do I split the panes? Uh, it says columns up there, if, if, for an icon, or you can go yeah, to uh, yeah. view. I think it's Control Three for columns. Yeah, I've got a two. I've got. I'm looking at two panes right here. Uh, uh, whatever your name is. Glad I'm glad you. You're sixty-four. He's cloning himself. Hold on. I am cloning myself <laughs> as we speak. I'm okay. sorry. I'm, I'm trying to log in as myself over here via Fish, so I'm like typing my name in while I'm talking. See, I hit. I would have thought that Control Shift T would have split my windows in a horizontal fashion, like in Conqueror, because that to me makes make the keystrokes exactly the same. Oh, I see, do it. I, I see what you're... Okay, okay, okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, you're right. It doesn't have that sort of Midnight Commander view. Well, Midnight Commander sucks anyways. Well, I... Yeah, probably. Uh, Just use the shell. Monster B, yeah, it's fish. It's fish and dolphin, and you can totally do it. Cool. Does it use the fish shell, or is it is this another fish? Uh, it's a different fish. Because, yeah, there's know. a shell called fish, too, which is kind of weird. Is it just F-S-H? No, it's spelled F-I-S-H. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's apparently an acronym for the Friendly Interactive Shell or something like this. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be using fish shell. Actually, you might like it. It has good, it has interesting scripty syntax. It's completely not POSIX compliant, but it's, it, is very readable. You're not selling this on me. No, I don't use it either. <laughs> so I'm not going to sell it. I use I usually use um, ZSH because it has better shell globbing because the the shell globs are like regular expressions basically. Oh, and by the way, everyone, this is that's Kajari. That is Kajari. Man. And everybody oh, they, 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 still they sucks. Pro they probably they probably figured it out because. Who else talks about shells? <laughs> yeah. It was the screen yeah. reader that gave it away on me. That came on before you spoke. Like, yeah, because someone, po someone posted something on IRC. Yeah, I need to get my somebody. If somebody should just send me a, a braille display, and then I could turn the screen reader off on podcast. I just wanted to say hi, Kajari. Oh hey. So yeah, so that column view you're talking about isn't isn't what I'm talking about. What are you trying yeah, to do I again? He's trying to open 27 directories in the same window. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> I'll show you. I'll show you a screenshot of it. Oh, well, that Windows 3.11 could do it with File Manager. You see, what he wants to do is he wants to open 27 different directories, and then he wants to have um, Beagle automatically update the indexes for the directories as he moves through them so that they scroll really slowly. Ah, I found it. There's a, another icon called Split. Ah, now you might. See it up there? Oh, that sounds better. No, hey, Peter, remember what you said about reading? Oh, you're right, uh, Monster V. No, but that, see, he wants, do you want the, you want the little file tree too, Peter, don't you? With like yeah, I, no, that'll, that's down. better. No, that's good. That's, that's oh. better. Cool. Yeah. So well, see, see over there at places. Click on that, and you can turn that into. Can't you turn it into a tree view? It's still ugly, but no. Nah, so change worry. the color of it, you wanker. <laughs> 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 and it's yeah, it's, you so tell it's, them, it's 
it's not horizontal. I thought you people had could customize Definitely all the right. themes and everything else. Yeah. Uh, that would, that would be an interesting idea. They should have like little. Um, we should have little. Um, little like sound icons for clicking on stuff and things. They do for some programs, but not all of them. Which reminds me, I should go change all the default GNOME sounds, because the default sounds suck horribly. You're supposed to tell us about bloody Pulse Audio. Oh yeah, and how it still doesn't work for shit, because it crashes, because they have this new glitch-free thing, which isn't really glitch-free. It's like, let's add glitches to your audio. That's the one. Yeah. Does it crash hard for you too? If you open, if you open three, three or four streams, you can usually get Pulse Audio to crash fairly regularly, which happens to me frequently because I have sound for everything. So I open like you know, if three people send me an IM at exactly the same time, my Pulse Audio will crash. Oh man! Yeah, because it has to play three separate sounds, and it it doesn't mix them, so. Because it doesn't buffer the audio, it just sends it straight to the card, and then it uses timers so that the card knows when, um, like it, it sends the audio to the card and then waits for the card to tell it that it actually played the audio, and then it figures out how long that took and schedules all the mixing so that it happens on some kind of timer instead of just buffering a bunch of audio and dumping it at the card and then buffering a bunch more audio and dumping it at the card and so on so instead of so that's why it crashes cuz it it keeps readjusting the timer when it schedules things and so it's constantly waking itself up trying to schedule a bunch of new sounds and yeah it just it's just a really bad idea the concept is good, but it doesn't really work. So the two questions that we wanted to confirm, Lord Drakenberg from 330 Records were discussing... No, that was Klaatu, sir. That was Klaatu, was it? Sorry, I was chuckling at Monster be I Like Cheese, just because he wanted to hear it, I'm sure. Um, but there were the basically two questions. One was, is Pulse Audio designed for high quality or low quality? Yeah. It's designed for desktop audio, which means it's designed. I'll, I'll, um, if you look on the Pulse Audio mailing list, uh, I don't remember the exact quote, but it had the words, it had the words gold and cables somewhere in there. But it's basically the guy who wrote Pulse Audio doesn't test it with anything except, you know, onboard crap sound that comes with your motherboard and so he figures that you shouldn't even need to have a sound card in your computer because unless you're concerned about gold cables and actually decent quality audio then you know it's not designed for low latency it's not designed for anything it's just designed so that the end user can get sound out of his desktop well I can definitely say that three audio streams does not crash my pulse audio no, oh, okay. Well, I, just had, like, I haven't, I haven't tried it. Playing, so. Okay, I haven't tried it. Keep trying streams until it crashes. It should be about five or six at least. I was going to say the second question was about. I, I seem to remember you saying that the guy that developed Pulse thinks you don't need anything but an onboard card. Although you kind of answered that. Yeah. 
That's what he does. That he doesn't test it with anything other than onboard cards, specifically the Intel HD or the HDA Intel module, which is not high definition audio, as the name might suggest. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty bad when a sound card that was first manufactured like 12 years ago is kicking the crap out of current onboard audio. And which card would that be? Uh, the M Audio card that I have. Any of the M Audio Delta cards. Now, how do you think um, Sound Blaster Live cards stack up against your M Audio? Um, actually, I replaced my Sound Blaster Audigy for the M Audio card. <laughs> the rear jacks on those are great. The front jacks are sucky on your Sound Blaster cards because there's a there's two different um, there's two different uh, DACs. The rear one in the rear jack is better than the one on the front jack by quite a bit. I used to plug the um I used to plug my two speakers into the surround jack cuz it had much better frequency response which also makes it suck if you actually have a surround system because then the rear speakers are about twice as loud as the front speakers and trying to get the volumes to reasonably decent levels is a pain. Now that's something I've never tried setting up is uh surround sound audio under Linux. Yeah, surround sound is basically a waste for audio anyways because music is only ever recorded in two channels unless you get one of those fancy, uh, you know, whatever. There's this weird DVD format that's like four-channel, but it doesn't add anything. All it does is make the same sound come from different directions. They don't Are you put talking about maybe SACD? Yeah, that's it, that SACD DVD thing. Yeah, they they just they just take the same sound stream and they put it through four channels instead of so you're basically getting the same sound that comes through the front left speaker also comes through the you know the the rear speaker at the right or something and they it's just like completely not useful. It's good for movies, but surround for music is almost almost pointless because if you're listening to something live it's not like the band is going to stand behind you and play anyway. So well, all you're really getting is extra echo from the other speakers. The case which, I was looking at, there are some games out there that use uh, surround sound to its advantage. Oh yeah, games use it. Yeah, games and movies use it. But for for music, it's useless. But yeah, there's actually even some audio games that were designed for blind people where they they um, use surround to tell you where your where your position is relative to other things that might be attacking you or whatever. So if, you know, something is coming up from behind you, you can hear it from over there and it'll, you know, you can coordinate yourself. It has its uses. But the way that M Audio handles that is they put all the they make you use a receiver if you need surround. So the card supports it, but you have to plug in a receiver because it doesn't have jacks on the card for the enough stuff to do surround, which is what you want anyway, because if you have enough speakers that you need surround, you probably have a big home theater system or something that you can do that with. It's interesting that you mention that, because Pulse Audio will not work by default with your surround setup. You actually have to go in and tell it that you have you know, front and center and all the various channels. And you have to put them in the right order, and then you have to disable HAL because HAL is retarded and won't remember that you told that you had six channels last time. 
to go back a sec on everything here. Peter 64, have you ever tried looking at a Commander, or Crusader, I mean? Oh, yeah, I've heard of that one, actually. That is like a Midnight Commander, right? Yeah, it's a Midnight Commander-style KD-3 and 4 file manager. Yeah, Peter 64 dropped off, but uh, speaking of Midnight, it's getting late, so I'm going to end this show, and then we can go into the after show. And, uh, and I forgot to say at the beginning, but this was episode 7. And our next tit radio will be September 5th. Seems like a long time, but actually that's only a couple weeks from now. I should pimp uh, HPR. Yeah, actually, go ahead. The very go show ahead. that you are now listening to. We need, we want more hosts because one of the powerful things about Hacker Public Radio is that lots of different people do lots of different shows on lots of different topics and uh so yeah i'm i'm i guess i'm doing the calendar now so i'm kind of always looking for new new hosts new topics stuff like that so if you want to do a show for hacker public radio it doesn't have to be long it can be like you know two minutes it can be 20 minutes it can be two hours whatever you think is appropriate for the topic just let me know about it or or do it and then send it to me or whatever that's Latu at HackerPublicRadio.org. And the feedback for this show, or the email address for this show, is feedback at titradio.info. And I'll talk to everyone in two weeks. Cool. Talk to you guys later. Cool. All right. Good night. Good, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by Caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.